0: Is up? Welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. After leaving Allianz Field about 10 hours ago, as we're recording here, it's Jeremy Rushing here back for episode 140, and alongside me as always, Dominic Jose Bazonia. Dom, how are we doing?
1: I'm doing well. I think this is the first time I've recorded in my actual apartment in a couple weeks. Yeah. So... (laughs) uh yeah no uh uh glad to be back a lot of talk about s- some some good some some bad with the loons it's nice to have a mix of that again yeah. uh <laughs> um, for sure and uh, and plenty of of lower lead stuff so yeah looking forward to talking
0: Yeah, the spiral is over, question mark, for Minnesota United. We'll get to that. (laughs) A lot of lower league news, too. uh, More MN Super Cup action to get to. You obviously got the NPSL and the UPSL. Oh, by the way, it was USL League 2 opening weekend, as far as local teams go, this past weekend. Uh, You got Minnesota Aurora coming up with their home opener um, in just, uh, what, six days uh, away Mm -hmm. as we're recording here. So a lot to get to, a very, very busy day as it usually is during the summer months on the 10,000 Pitches Podcast. But before we actually get into the news, get into the content, let you know, of course, we are presented by SodaSoccer.com. It is your home for soccer coverage in the North, S O T A soccer.com. I think we put out something like 14 or 15 new stories over the last week about not only Minnesota United, but Aurora is in there, uh, USL League 2, NPSL, UPSL, the lower league scene. Um, a lot of great content kind of showing the breadth of coverage that, that we have over at sodasoccer.com. So make sure you're checking that out, S-O-T-A soccer.com. Subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to our Patreon, rate and review us, uh, bookmark the website, do whatever you got to do to lend that support. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That would be great too. Um, and if you kind of want to go that next step, I kind of mentioned the Patreon. Um, it, it is the lifeblood of of how we are able to do what we do here at Soda Soccer. And, and what I mean is provide all this coverage, but also compensate our content creators for helping to provide that coverage. It takes a village. That is a very, very um, old school saying to say in 2023 on a podcast that's probably catered to more younger millennial Gen Z types. But it is very true. It takes a village to to make this thing work at Soda Soccer, and uh, we would not be able to do it without our great content creators. And they are paid for their work, whether they're writing, whether they're podcasting, whatever it is, uh, they're compensated for their time. So, if you want to help us in that mission to you know provide that coverage, but also make sure we make it worth our our content creators while financially, um, make sure you're supporting us at Patreon.com. Slash soda soccer. And you're not just supporting our work, you're actually getting some cool bonus content, exclusive Minnesota United training and match day tidbits, early access to podcasts like this one, um, interviews, uh things like that. So um, you get a good amount of bonus content there and a good amount of a, th- a thank you with that bonus content for subscribing. You can subscribe for as low as three dollars a month. Again, it's patreon.com slash soda soccer. Big shout out to Jeremiah and Chris M, our two new patrons this week. That means, Dom, um, as we sit here on May 18th, as we're recording, just one patron away from our main goal. So if you want to be that that hero, if you want to be that person that helps us reach our goal for the month of uh, for the month of May early, 12 to 11 days, 10 days early, uh, make sure you're hitting that subscribe button and supporting our work at patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. Okay. Headline time, Dom. Let's do this. Um, we're going to start with the bad because we're going to go chronologically here. <laughs> Um, it was a 3 0 blowout loss to Kansas City. Goals from Daniel Rosero in the ninth minute, Daniel Shallowy in the 22nd, and Gotti Kenda in the 84th. Uh, Sang Ben misses a penalty in the 26th minute. One of the worst PKs I've ever seen at the professional level, if we're being quite honest. Not saying I could do any better, but um, at least I can maybe make the goalkeeper move or think. Um, but in any case. Uh, yes. And here's the thing that, that shocked me about this Dom. I looked back after, cause I wasn't really paying too close attention to the stats, um, over the course of the match. Um, but when I look back at, at the foot mom stats this morning, you know, in prepping for the show, only 0.91 XG for Kansas city on the night, they put three in the back of the net on Minnesota, Kansas city just continues, you know, outside of the 2020 playoff match, where Minnesota thumped them 3-0. Children's Mercy Park has been a house of horrors for the Loons, a place that they can't even, not only can't they win, they can't be competitive at uh, Sporting Kansas City in the regular season. And just another chapter in that story, no matter where either team is in the table, Kansas City just seems to have a significant advantage on their home soil against Minnesota.
1: Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. You know, it's funny, people joke about this I'm even going to use quotations here. Rivalry as being like a, ver- <laughs> a very, a very like not real rivalry, and I think in terms of the fan bases, that's probably true. But what's really interesting about this matchup is that on the actual field, it does function very much like a rivalry, in which like whoever's hosting just shows up. Yeah. Um, and you know, year after year, to your point, there have been seasons where SKC have been terrible, like historically last- bad. The last two years. Bad seasons. Yeah, the last two years. Historically bad seasons for this team. Uh, and they still managed to thump Minnesota United. And I don't really understand how it happens, uh, but it just keeps happening. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think if I had to just really just summarize this whole game in like, oh, word, it would just be disappointing. It was just a yep. disappointing game, not just in terms of the result, but how it happened. The, the penalty is, frankly, disappointing. The lack of real chances created other than that penalty is disappointing. The defensive performance was disappointing. I, I know um, on uh, post loons, uh, John made a, a good point, a friend of the show, John, uh, made a good point uh, about Dane St. Clair's goalkeeping uh, during this game. I think that's definitely part of the conversation. I also think that Boxel and Tapia's had a shocker. Um, and And are directly responsible for two of those goals. But... You know, everybody really just not putting in the work. It felt like um, at least two of those goals feel pretty savable to me. The situations yep. leading up to them feel preventable to me. Yep. Uh, and and so it's just it's it's one of those games where you walk away and you go, I don't know what the hell just happened, but it it wasn't good. Yep. Um, the, the the what happens in the next game obviously kind of allows a a silver lining to it all. But on the night of this specific game prior to the Houston result. I, yeah, you kind of walk away going, what the hell happened to this team? Uh, I mean, not not that the performances have been great recently, but they haven't been mm. that. They haven't been getting smashed by a team that is struggling to get results like that. You know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just confusing and, and a little shocking, to be honest. I, I predicted Minnesota United would win this game because I think on paper they should have. Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's – uh, yeah, another chapter in this very strange rivalry.
0: Looking at these,
1: yeah, the quotes, the quotes. If you're watching on YouTube, you see
0: the quotes. If you're listening to the podcast, you don't see the quotes. If you want to see the quotes, if you want to see the mannerisms that we make on this podcast, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel so you can watch the the video version. But in any case, you look at the last two seasons specifically, when, and you alluded to this, Dom. Kansas City, not great, near bottom of the West last year. Minnesota United a playoff team last year, almost a home playoff team last year 4 one final Kansas city uh, beats Minnesota this year, Kansas city. I think coming into this one at the bottom of the Western conference, they're not now because they're on a good run of form. They have seven points out of their last three matches. Uh, But coming into this one against Minnesota dead last in the West, or at least at least second to last. I don't know if they were above the galaxy or not, Um, but in any case, at the very best second to last in the West coming into this one, Minnesota United for their struggles still kind of were right on or above the playoff line three. nil. it just, it doesn't make to your point, Dom. It doesn't make a lot of sense as to why Minnesota just seems to kind of forget how to play their game. Uh, in these circumstances. So, and you look at the the formation, it was a it was a 3-5-2. I don't necessarily think you can blame Adrian Heath for going back to the 3-5-2 with how it worked against Philly. Um keeping a pretty damn good Philly team at bay for most of the match aside from the last kick of regulation and and uh extra time. Um, so I don't blame him for wanting to go back to that and seeing what that can continue to bring him with more run out, more time to train, whatever, but it took a significant step back. And you heard Michael Boxall say after the game, you know, they, they made a switch to the four, two, three, one. I don't know if it was at half or at some point in the second half in the Kansas city match. And Boxall even said, you know, we played a lot better in the four, two, three, one, because it's just what we're most comfortable with. And you saw that we'll get to the, we'll get to the Houston match in a minute but kind of you saw that in the Houston match where they go to the 4-2-3-1 and everybody just kind of looks more comfortable in their role, understands what they're doing. Um, and when you're playing on the road against a team as bad as Kansas City, I think that's that's what you want. You want that comfortability. You want that ease. You want that just ability for guys to just understand where they're going to be, how they're going to be. Because if you don't, you see the disorganization and the absolute – Pardon my French. Sorry, my mother-in-law listened to this podcast. Sorry, Cindy, for what I'm about to say. The absolute shit show that we saw uh just at on all phases uh for Minnesota and this one against Kansas City. So yeah, tough, tough to take that loss and continue a downward spiral for Minnesota and uh vibes were were the opposite of good uh on the team front and on the uh supporter front after that one.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, I, I think it's it's worth noting, this isn't just, just because we've been talking about this sort of bizarre streak Minnesota United has at SKC. This isn't just like a matter of like, Peter Vermees just has Adrian Heath's number. Because actually in Minnesota, Minnesota consistently is quite good against SKC. Correct, correct. Um, so, it, it, yeah, it's it's it, it it's, it's a weird pattern. That being said, it's not necessarily a pattern that I think anybody should just like accept as like a law of nature like there's there's surely something this team could do about it but it's just not happening um Mm -hmm. so anyways yeah
0: so you come off that three no blowout loss and you return home to allianz field for a wednesday night midweek tilt against houston and minnesota breaks the streak they break the winless streak they had gone six winless losses in five of those matches but finally they get a win finally they get a home win at allianz field in league play 1-0, 1-0, the final, Minnesota over Houston. The goal comes by way of who else but Bongi Klangwani in the 14th minutes. Easily the, uh, the best attacker uh, this team has so far this season, stepping up again. Probably should have had one or two more uh, in this one as well. Um, again, first home league win of the season, first win of any kind in MLS play since April 1st. And kind of going back to the formation conversation here, you know they go back to the four-two-three-one, and it just be—it's a more vintage Minnesota United performance, and I mean that in a good way. They're very well organized. Houston doesn't get too many opportunities. They had one effort in the first half where, um, I believe it was uh, Aloe Wintz uh, hit off the inside of the post. Uh, but other than that, you know, it was just a really organized defensive performance. Kind of when Minnesota has success, performances like that are how they do it. They get. That one goal, that one bit of quality, that one bit of brilliance they need, and then they lock it down after that. and that was that was the that was the case against Houston. Uh, just a a, a much it, it's the it's the response you want to see after yeah. after a three 0 blowout loss on the road. you come home and you play your game for all ninety plus minutes and you come away with the the, the three points, Wonder wall for the first time in front of eighteen thousand plus. um it's just that that's the response you want. It's sort of gives you uh some confidence and some building blocks moving forward
1: yeah yeah absolutely like you said it, it's more or less the response you want it's it's the response this team's needed from this this entire streak that they've been on to get a clean sheet win at home See so that that over the line um yeah Bondi plan one continues to be the most reliable forward on this team in yep. terms of pro- uh, production uh whether or not you know on paper there's players that could outperform him the fact is they aren't he's the one that's Mm -hmm. getting the goals getting the assists uh, across all competitions um and so i mean he just continues to be a huge part of this team i I know that there's you know on and off on on between us between other folks outside of soda soccer on post loons with different people there's been conversation about how you get different players into different positions and all that kind of thing and and there's been conversation about does he start does he submit but it's just so clear to me at this point that you just need to play him as much as possible he's the guy that's getting this team goals when they need them um, when nobody else is quite stepping up that plate so yeah I mean he, he's really coming uh, into form this season it feels like despite some of the challenges the team's going through which is great to see because I, I think you know before the season started we both talked about how important getting the most out of him in his second season would be uh, for having a good season And it's early enough that if the team can move away from this bad stretch and make the most of players like him, you could still end up having a good season. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 a good response. It's uh, hopefully a response that triggers a long term response. Obviously, the Mm. Philadelphia uh, Open Cup result did not necessarily reflect a long term reaction. So, yeah. I'm I'm hopeful that getting the win in league play from open play uh will will actually help sort of trigger some some change to the team. But but yeah, at the very least, it gets some points on the board, it kick starts the season a little bit and it shows that this team can respond to to a disappointing performance. All right, Dom. What do all
0: of these Minnesota United players have in common? Darwin Cantero, Kevin Molino, Emmanuel Reynoso and now Bongi Klangwani. What do you think they all have in common? This is not a specific statistic that I'm talking about. It's just kind of their role on
1: the team. What What do they all have in common? Oh, the role on the team. Um, well, they're carrying the team on the back, is that? <laughs> Non-strikers that
0: are forced to carry the goal-scoring load for a team. Okay, okay. For a Minnesota yeah, yeah, United yeah, yeah, yeah. team. It was, you know, it was yeah, Quintero yeah. in the in the dark ages of 2018. It was Kevin yeah, Molino yeah. In, in 2019 and 2020. Uh, at, at, uh more 2020 than 2019. Yeah, but yeah. Definitely 2020. It was Reynoso. Uh, it's been Reynoso over the last couple of years, and now you can add Bangi Khlongwanee to that that list yeah, of yeah. our strikers can't score, so we gotta just find goals somewhere, anywhere. And there's always that one midfielder <laughs> or winger that steps up. Uh, and yeah. and you know puts in eight plus goals a season and you know that's that's Bongi already five in all competitions three in MLS play no other MLS play, no other Minnesota United player has more than two in in all competitions right now so. Yeah, his emergence has been huge for this team. And it's answering, it's sort of answering a call from Adrian Heath. I wrote on Soda Soccer a few weeks ago about how Heath has come out and said, I want to see the next evolution. I want to see Bongi take that next step. He's putting in the work, but he needs to get more composure in the final third. He needs to get more composure around the box and finish the chances that he is doing the hard work to help create for himself and get in those right positions. And man, Bongi has done that. You know, five goals in all competitions. I think it's four goals just in the last two weeks. Uh, for Bongi. So he is really, um, he's, he's doing the work and it's been required for Minnesota United without him. This downward spiral just continues in a, and and this team's in a really bad place right now, but his emergence has really, really been huge. I'm interested to see if he and you know when when Reynoso comes back in a few weeks to see if they can because they were starting to get some chemistry last season. I remember the playoff match specifically; it was Bongi who found Reynoso for for Minnesota's uh, you know regulation goal in that match. I want to see if they can maybe find a way. I know it's going to take Reynoso some time to get reintegrated with the group. I want to see if they they can maybe find some uh, some chemistry and kind of pick up uh, at least at some level where they left off last season, but Bongi has been huge. And here's another talk about building blocks. Um, I'm going to read the stat and some of you are going to roll your eyes because underperforming XG has kind of been Minnesota United's thing, but uh, 2.1 XG against a Houston team that has had clean sheets in seven of their had clean sheets in seven of their 12 matches coming into that. They had not given up a goal in four of five coming into that match as well. And you put up 2.1 expected goals on a, on a defense like that. Yes. Houston was missing some guys, but that was on the, the attacking side of the pitch. They weren't missing too much defensively. in this one personnel wise and Minnesota just kept their foot on the gas and lack of finishing has obviously been an issue and it's been a reoccurring talking point and something that we have, you know, darn near lost our voices talking about on this podcast over the last four or five weeks. But like, and this one specifically, yes, they had opportunities at the doorstep. Yes, they had a lot of shots and chances inside the box, but to me it was more quality goalkeeping from Steve Clark and not necessarily missing chances. I think he sort of stood on his head for Houston and, and kept them in the match as opposed to Minnesota just blowing countless opportunities to extend the lead.
1: Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, I mean, yeah, this this Houston team is, is defensively quite strong. Uh, yeah. that, that's pretty clear on the record, so... Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in addition to just in general being happy with winning after the way the last couple of weeks have gone, yeah, I, I think there is something to take away from the fact that Minnesota United were able to to put a team like that to the sword um, and come away with with a good result. Uh, yeah, obviously the absences up front for Houston maybe potentially informed the 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 one nil aspect of the scoreline, but. Uh, at the end of the day, you you play with what you got, and and yep. United made the most of what they had. So, yeah, and and you know, it, it's it's interesting with with Bondi. I guess one final note that occurs to me is just that you know there was some discussion about where he was played against SKC, uh, which was a little more central, and it's interesting to me that that he did felt like maybe just like how uh, Michael Boxel mentioned slight discomfort with the formation change that even some of the forwards perhaps seem to actually be performing better in their more standard positions in that, that four, two, three, one. So that's something we're going to have to, to see more of to really know the, the, the facts of, but it's interesting to see even players like Bondi, how they, how they adjust with those formation changes. But, uh, but yeah, no, again, I mean, look, this, this is the win that Minnesota United needed. It comes in a manner that I think is especially helpful. Um and 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 also it, it, it works out well for their open cup chances in the sense that it gives them a great opportunity to practice and plan for uh, their open cup match against Houston.
0: All right, I'm gonna I'm not gonna go negative here, but I'm gonna kind of go on a bit of a, a rant or a soapbox. Um, why why is Luis Amaria still getting starts for this team? That's, that's that's a, that's a big question. I don't think anyone knows the answer to that, There <laughs> are, whether, whether it's been two up front or one up front, there are four players who have played at striker for Minnesota this season. Three of them have goals from open play. One of them does not. Right. And that is Luis Amaria. And Amaria continues to get starts, continues to get opportunities. And Adrian Heath has said, you know, that's how you help a striker to turn it around is to keep calling upon them, keep showing them confidence. And I understand that to a point. You can only do that for so long before you need to turn the page. And I think maybe it is time, not, not completely. I think if you need to hold possession at the end of the match, maybe you have a lead. Amaria is somebody you can bring on uh, to hold up the ball and hold up possession because he is good at that. And he has shown uh, an ability to track back defensively from the striker position as well. So I think maybe in those instances, He's somebody you can bring on as a sub, but I to play, I think he played all 90 against, against Houston. I guess I can look real quick, but um, I don't, I don't know if he came off, but um, in any case, he, I just, I just don't get it. I just don't get why he is still getting the nod at Striker. He came off in the 80th minute. So he played 80 minutes. I don't understand why he's still getting the nod. Um, you know, Especially, and here's the counterintuitive thing for me. Mm -hmm. Amaria has shown to be at his best when he is playing off of somebody else, whether that is another striker or whether that is sort of with with Reynoso when they were kind of playing interchangeably up top last season. When Minnesota United has gone to a two up top, Guess who they haven't turned to in that scenario? (laughs) Amando Reynoso, or excuse me, Luis Samaria. Luis Samaria. They have not played Luis Samaria in a two-striker formation. They've only played him as a lone striker. It seems very counterintuitive to me why he would get the nod in a one-striker setup and not the two-striker setup. Because I could understand going to him with two up top, whether it's a four-four-two, three-five-two, five-three-two. I could see that because he's able to hold up the ball and maybe make you know allow the other striker to make a run, allow the other striker to make a play. I could see that thinking. But to play him alone up top and not play him when you're playing two strikers just seems flipped as to what the obvious line of thinking would be at least from my vantage point.
1: Yeah. I think I mean what what seems to have happened is that he's been deemed an important system player to your point it's it's odd that it's for a system that doesn't appear to fit his sort of legacy skill set. Um. Yeah, you know, I, I guess what I would say to the the counterpoint that has been brought up by Heath and others of you need to give a player time to, to earn his confidence. I guess my counter question, that would be, what do you think it does to players' confidences when they do score from open play and you don't start them? Okay. Uh, I, 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 I think he should maybe be focused on the confidence of the players that are doing the job. Yeah. Um and, and maybe agree. not be so worried about making the guy feel good that isn't doing it. Uh because maybe yeah. he shouldn't feel good about not doing it. <laughs> yep. Maybe that maybe you should be rewarding the guys who are getting the job done. So I I mean that's that's his call. But uh I think maybe the priorities are a little misconstrued there. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, look, there are there are plenty
0: of options I would see as welcome. Strikers on the team sheet when it comes out. Sangbin would be somebody that I would be very interested to see how he does up top. Um, Bongi, give Bongi a shot as a lone striker. Uh, I would kind of want to see what that looks like with with maybe Lut and, and Fragapani on the wings. Yeah, you know, give give Mender Garcia. Mender Garcia has a goal in open play this season. He might have two actually. I'm not two. quite sure. Yeah. Yeah, he has two from open play this season. He's a young kid. Give him a shot. Give him more of a run out. Right. I. And maybe the thinking is, as I'm talking about this, maybe his, Amaria's ability to hold up the ball at striker does allow a Bongi Klangwane to flourish. Um, Give him time to make a run and give him time to get in that goal scoring position. Maybe that's the one place, but to me, you got to look to the guys who have actually shown you that they can score a goal outside of a PK. And that is, that's not Luis San Maria. Um, and we shall see. I mean, he got a transfer window coming up and Andy Grader said it on his Twitter spaces on Wednesday that, uh, you know, Luis San Maria is probably the one guy you could see uh, leaving the club in the in the summer transfer window. I could see that as well because he has a DP contract that can be bought down. So you know, you're not investing a DP contract necessarily if you're taking on Luis San Maria. Uh, and it would give Minnesota United a DP slot and it would give them roster flexibility as well. Seems like a win-win scenario there, but yeah, i I think I've kind of seen enough. Now, you know, he can, he's shown in the past that he can turn it around and have good stretches, but I think it's time to start giving some other guys a shot personally, uh, at the striker position, but don't let that sour a big home win for minnesota united on wednesday night they now go to portland for a saturday late night kickoff on nine uh it's 9 30 central time uh gotta love those uh and, and providence park against the timbers on saturday and then the team should tra- actually travel straight to houston for their tuesday night u.s open cup round of 16 matchup with the dynamo somebody who will not be on that trip with minnesota is Emano Reynoso. reynosa he is however been in re- he has however been in re- reinstated by major league soccer He can return to team participation. He's eligible to play immediately. He was in attendance at Allianz Field for the Loons Dynamo game on Wednesday. Um, As I mentioned, will not be traveling with the team. He'll stay in Blaine, um, continue his sort of individual training plan. He's doing like two to three a day training sessions right now to get himself back in, in, in game shape and back ready to go um and he'll return to team training late next week that's what adrian heath said when they get back and they're back in blaine and they're training as a team late next week after the dynamo match they will be uh amina reynoso will be reintegrated with the group at that point point. one thing that did happen so the, there are a few things that have sort of been checked off the list obviously the first thing is getting back to minnesota that's checked off second thing getting reinstated by major league soccer that's checked off but maybe the biggest hurdle of all was was checked off for the biggest item on that list was checked off on Monday uh when according to Adrian Heath and Will Trapp there was a players-only meeting uh in the locker room in which Reynoso was actually able to speak with the group apologize sort of explain himself explain his side of things you know sort of try and help the team understand why he wasn't with the team for the first four months I'm sure some players took that better than others but um you know, having that conversation and and apologizing to the group and starting the process of not only reintegrating with the group on the pitch, but reintegrating with a team that has shown to be very cohesive on and off the pitch early this season. You don't want Ray's insertion to upset that. You kind of want him to buy in, if you will. Um, and that's a big step in that direction, apologizing and 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 communicating directly with the players.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean we talked you know, I think last two episodes, we talked about um, how important it was going to be to heal the or mend the mental bridges, the emotional bridges from from this as much as any sort of physical tactical stuff. Um, So it's it's good to hear that that is uh, something that is work that is being done. Uh, It's encouraging to hear that there's a pretty, you know, seems like the, the the plan to get him back into the mix is is very straightforward and, and ambitious and you know a lot of training very quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think now that he's here, uh, the team might as well make the most of having him here. So uh, I, I think he could be a, a, a big asset, whether that means he's starting anytime soon, I don't know, but even if it's a you know bench option kind of thing. Um, depending on how well this reintegration goes, um, that's obviously better than not having him at all. So yeah, yeah, I, I think that, uh, especially with the the slight uptick in in the team's form, I think that it's a potentially a really good time to get him back in the mix and hopefully have him at the very least sort of help smooth out any rough edges um, with the team's current attacking performances. So with him returning to training late next week with the
0: squad, um, technically his first real opportunity to return on the pitch would be May 27th at home against RSL. But realistically, with only a couple days of team training under his belt, I, I doubt that that's going to be where he we see him. Um, I, I could see with this fixer co- congestion, though, a uh, sooner rather than later um, timeline you know if if there wasn't this congestion and you kind of he had multiple you know opportunities to get full weeks of training you know maybe maybe like june 10th would be like a, a an option but we talked last week this team with all these matches in such a short period of time needs a, as many able bodies there as possible yeah. doesn't mean he's going to play but i could see him being on the match day roster for may 31st at austin for and an mm. definitely definitely uh june 3rd at home against toronto right and maybe he doesn't play unless it's the 81st minute and you're looking for a goal, whether you're, you know, you're tied at home or you're, you know, you're down on the road. uh, You yeah. know, you're, you're looking to find that late goal. Maybe you bring him on at that point just to see, just to see if he can bring you that late, that late magic, you know. Um, But yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of my timeline. When would you
1: anticipate we see Dom, if you had to put, put money on it? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see him as a starter for quite some time. No, not as um, a starter. No, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, as as a substitute, I mean, yeah, I guess that Austin game seems like a a, a potential marker. Um, RSL, I agree, seems quite soon. I'm not sure if, I mean, I guess, yeah, maybe he technically makes the list. Whether or not, I don't know if he'd actually play there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's part of it is also, you know, obviously there's been some answers and some resolutions to things, but we still, for for at least I still don't have any particular sense of where he is physically right now. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, you know, I know there's been things said about what he was or wasn't doing to stay in shape in Argentina, but you know, I don't know what to make of any of that. Yeah. Um, and training back into game shape can be a hell of a journey. So.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think
1: that's that's kind of a,
0: that's a big question. And I think indications have been he's not in terrible shape. You know, he's he came back in, in somewhat presentable form, somewhat able form, <laughs> right? Uh, okay. But, uh, you know, we, we shall see. We don't know really know those for sure. Um, what we did get, though, on the MLS wrap-up show Saturday night on Apple, um, I believe it was Andrew Wiebe. So I apologize if I miss, uh, miss sourcing here, but it was Andrew Wiebe on the wrap-up show. Uh, saying that uh, four to five teams had actually reached out to the Loons about a potential trade for Amanda so And this could be surprising or unsurprising, depending on how you look at it. Uh, To me, and I guess in hindsight, I was kind of surprised when I heard this initially, but also in hindsight, it's why wouldn't you reach out? Why wouldn't you you just, just gauge the waters? Just say, hey, if this guy is not accepted by his teammates, not accepted in the locker room, why not reach out and say hey we'll take you know we'll take a dp out. we'll take yeah. one of the best attacking midfielders in major league soccer um uh, who you know in comparison to other dps even though he signed a new contract and it's 2.1 million dollars as we found out in the in the in the uh, salary dump this week uh by the players association that's still, you know, in, a, in comparison to an Insigne, a Shakiri, you know, others, it's yeah. still kind of on the lower end of what DPs and MLS are being paid. Right. Um, you know, quality DPs, you know, you have, you have your Amarias and your Garcias who are kind of in that second tier of, of designated players. And uh, yeah. Garcia is obviously a young DP, but still when you're talking about those all-star caliber top tier impact makers in MLS 2.1 million in these days is kind of on that, under end of the spectrum yeah so this is somebody you. if you have the money and it is strictly an ownership decision if you have a if you have a because because the way the dp spots work if you're kind of mls roster rules are kind of to you i totally understand uh so if you're a designated player you only take a certain uh, amount of cap space no matter what you're being paid so you know, whether you're being paid close to $10 million like Insigne or $2.1 million for Meno Reynoso, you're, both those players are only taking the same amount from the cap. And I believe it is 1 point something million um from the, from the actual cap, from the actual, you know, what a, each team is allotted to spend. So that doesn't matter. It's really what your ownership is willing to spend on this type of player. And again, in these day and age, talking $500 million transfer fees for a team in San Diego 2.1 million for an impact player like Reynoso is kind of a drop in the bucket (laughs) uh compared to what he can actually bring you on the pitch so I don't think the contract would be an issue if another team is is wants to wants to bring on Reynoso he's still relatively young obviously as of last year very much in his prime so yeah I don't I don't it doesn't surprise me in hindsight that teams are, are reaching out and teams are are interested in potentially what that situation is between uh, Reynoso and Minnesota, and if a, if a trade would be in the works?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I I, I don't blame teams for reaching out. Um, I do think it would have ended up being incredibly comedic if he had come back only to get traded somewhere else. Uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that, that I'm I'm i wouldn't be surprised if at the point where he seems uh, to be set to not come back if the team was considering those options, but obviously he's back now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just how the transfer record works. So. Yep. Absolutely. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. All right. We have a lot of lower league news to get to UFC two, uh, another penalty kick shootout game for them. Uh, we got NPSL UPSL. We got Minneapolis city and St. Croix kicking off the USL league Two uh local season. Uh, plenty of news to get you on the lower league front. But first, we're going to shout out some friends of ours and their friends from Pence Homes, P-E-N-T-Z, homes.com. If you are buying or selling in the Twin Cities, Pence Homes is the place you need to call and head up and help you with the process. Um, not only do they support countless minnesota soccer organizations minneapolis city minnesota aurora included and of course us here at soda soccer and we are so grateful for that support uh but they are one of the premier realty companies in the twin cities for a reason they have the team they have the technology they have the customer service and 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 even beyond that they help take a lot of the the burden, a lot of that stress, a lot of that anxiety that comes with the buying and selling process, and they kind of take that on for you. They make the process simple. They make it easy to navigate. They, make you understand, they help you understand the market, to so understand what you can get for your home, what you might be looking at in terms of the home that you are looking for, what your budget range should be, all that stuff. Pence Homes can help you with all of it. Nate and his team are very good at what they do. If you go on their website or you go on Google or anywhere that you can look up reviews for realty companies, there's a reason why you really don't see a single bad review on there for Pence Homes. They're very good at what they do. They've made countless people very happy in and around the Twin Cities, buying, selling, doing both, and they can do the same for you. So hit them up, p-e-n-t-z, homes.com, or if I've sold you here, email Nate directly, nate, n-a-t-e, at penceholmes.com make sure you let them know jeremy and dom from the Ten Thousand pitches podcast and soda soccer sent you again penceholmes.com p-e-n-t-z homes.com big thanks to nate and the team at Homes for supporting the Ten Thousand pitches podcast
1: <coughs>
0: excuse me all right uh then ufc2 let's go to mls next pro land shall we um it was a wild 4-4 draw in regulation at tacoma uh over the weekend and uh you know this was this is this is a crazy one because minnesota minnesota goes up i believe three one and then tacoma comes roaring back for three unanswered in the second half and then rory odriscoll with a stoppage time equalizer to send the match into pks Mm -hmm. uh just yeah just wildness out west um in addition to a driscoll's late equalizer uh, Diego Pacheco, Jesse Khan, and uh, Manuel Iwe all score for the doubloons as well. Actually, Pacheco just won off the uh, the golden boot right now for MLS Next Pro, just one back in that golden boot race. So, um, he has had a huge year. Um, and then uh, Tacoma did end up winning four to two in the penalty shootout, but it is a road point for the doubloons. And just a lot of individual performances that keep us pretty optimistic about what the future not only is for mnufc 2 but obviously how these players might be able to translate to the next level when it's their time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, unfortunately, uh, MNUFC2 has 2s gotten a little unlucky with a couple of these penalty shootouts. The the good news, of course, is is that they are still getting points out of some, you know, out of those uh, games, one point per. Um, and so that's the silver lining there. But you know, great to see continued good performances from a lot of these guys, including some local guys, Emmanuel Ewey with another goal, Rory O'Driscoll with his uh, first goal at this level of the game. Uh big, big moment for him, big goal as well. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's plenty of positives. I think the the good part of how there's a lot of things to criticize about how MLS has pro structures it sees in and, and the rules. But I think one of the good things is that they have uh, it, they have the the shootout, but they still give the loser of the shootout a point, point. Uh, and so at the end of the day, Minnesota United Two is getting points out of all this. They're getting a lot of experience with these young guys. More more often than not, there's 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 some good positives coming out of all this. So unlucky uh, to to lose the shootout. That's always a toss of the coin a bit, uh, but but great to see more experience, more big moments coming into this team, coming into these young guys. So. Yeah, I I think uh mostly mostly positives actually to to take that of this result.
0: Yeah. And uh sticking with next pro, uh speaking of positives, Michael Vang scoring his first goal for Portland Timbers yeah. two. Uh the Vang train is back on the tracks. So you love to see it. Um he was actually just recently on the extra time podcast. Yeah. uh recently too uh andrew ruby talking to him so it's cool that he's sort of get, getting that spotlight and obviously making the most of it um getting his first goal this season for timbers too and um hopefully that's yeah. something he can build off of
1: I believe that goal just won mls nets pro goal of the week as well it did it did um, absolutely correct yeah it's been a busy i think his birthday was a week ago too <laughs> it's been a busy, it's been a busy Happy birthday it's been a busy week for michael Vane. uh yeah. Yeah, no, great, great, great for him. You know that that Timber's team is is, is uh, very much a development team, and they've had some rough results. But it's great to see them get a couple of good results, and, and for him to be in the. Mix. I think he had an assist in that game too. I'm not sure, but either way, had a had a, a very good game. So yeah, big shout out to Michael.
0: And the Columbus Crew organizations continue organization. Excuse me, continues to be uh, Minnesota soccer fans' second favorite MLS organization because uh, not only do you have. Uh, Christian Ramirez doing things for the uh, for the MLS side obviously uh, if you're a forward Madison fan you know Noah Fusan is doing really well for Columbus Crew too you can now add Mateo Boonberry to that list because he got his second goal of the season as well really nice header off of a, off of a cross Um hits the back of the net big weekend for Minnesotans and Minnesota Minnesota adjacent players uh, scoring goals and Um, Boonberry is somebody who's kind of bounced around. Um, he left the SKC organization because he felt like he should have gotten a first team contract and they were you know, they, they disagreed. And so he went to the USL championship, then gets loaned to crew two. So this is a big opportunity for him to sort of, uh, you know, show, show what he can do at this level and two goals early in the season is, is kind of a way to to turn heads and, um,
1: hopefully he can, he can continue to build off that. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it's interesting. You you lay out some of the steps he's had to take to kind of continue his journey, and unfortunately, that's part of the game. Often, when you're young and you're trying to make your way through, especially those lower levels of of professional soccer here. But it's great to see that he's managed to do that for himself. He's managed to navigate that journey so far, doing well uh, with the crew too, uh, w- w- which is you know a really high performing organization in MLS. And pro, obviously, the the reigning champs. Um, so yeah. Uh, great goal. Great to see him very much staying active, very much moving forward. Um, and yeah, hopefully he can continue to sort of make the most of the place he's got at that that team. Because we saw last year with with, with Vane and Fusan as, as points of connection that that was a really high-performing, high-achieving team. So it's great to be a part of something with like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that
1: that's a great organization to be part of, too,
0: um, to continue development. So, hopefully for Vang and for uh, Boonberry, just uh, you know a sign of things to come for them this season. Uh, going to the lower league side now of things. Uh, Minnesota Super Cup continues the second match of the Super Cup. If you recall, it opened up a couple of weeks back with MNUFC, U19s, and Minneapolis City. It was the Loons getting a 1-0 win uh, at Ador Nelson Field over the Crows. Uh, match two, this is the first match of group B uh, was Med city and Vlora Vlora really taking it to the NPSL North champs, giving them everything, everything they could handle, but it was an early goal from Scott Neil uh, sealing the win for Med city one nil to kick off group B uh, really competitive match. I think this is one of the things that we were interested to see from this tournament, how a team like Vlora and the UPSL, you know, matches up against the NPSL uh, North champs, uh, you know, a couple of, of breaks away from being the NPSL Midwest region champs last year. And, uh, you know, Flora stuck right with them, just couldn't find a goal of their own, uh, but a really good performance, really competitive matchup. And that's what we want to see from this tournament.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, unfor- well, not unfortunately. I mean, it's what they signed up to want to do. But for, you know, for it's been a, a really busy couple of weeks. They've uh, been knocked out of the, the uh, Amateur Cup uh, this last week. Uh, against um, Honduras Nationals, I think the team's called. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've obviously had their league game worry about. Um, so you know, it's been a busy week, but uh, yeah, they put up a really good performance against Med City. I mean, you know, a very tight game, obviously by the scoreline, but uh, you know, a, a one 0 win is a extremely Med City result for this game. It is. It <laughs> um, so you know, I mean, they they <clears throat> know what they know how to do. What they like to do. And uh, Scott Neal, who, who was there last year, big player last year in the in their conference title win season, uh, comes up big with a goal here. Uh, yeah, you know, I think Med City are very much going to be a, a threat in this tournament, uh, especially now that they kind of have this game done with. Uh, assuming nothing too crazy happens against St. Croix, I think that they have a really strong path forward to be competitive against anybody they're going to play in the remainder of the Super Cup. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, a very on-brand win for them. Very, uh, and I think a very good one to build on, especially uh, considering that their their we'll, we'll talk about it in a second their uh, opening weekend uh, result in the MPSL was not necessarily uh, amazing. So I, I think there's a great way to rebound from that.
0: Get a goal and lock it down. That's yeah. the Med City way. That's the Med City way, <laughs> and they uh, they did that against Flora. Uh, so big uh, big three points for them to kick off their Minnesota Super Cup campaign. Um, c- speaking of kicking off campaigns in USL League Two, Saint Croix. Going on the road and earning a comeback two to one win over Minneapolis City uh, to kick off their USL League Two campaign. Uh, just a, a really you know, that that's what you want if you're Saint Croix. You want to see your team you know, overcome adversity. I think facing adversity early in a season is all is like very, could be very healthy for a team. Um, And they overcome that in the second half for Minneapolis city, though, got to be a bit of a disappointment getting that one nil lead at home uh, against your city rival in this, uh, in this conference. And you're not able to hold on to it. The club posted a, a video in the locker room after the matchup, Carl Craig talking to, talking to the camera. And he said, you know, I don't know. I don't know if we'll win the next match, but we are going to be better and um you know i don't know if that's something you've you've heard from that in the past is sort of that accountability or or that 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 direct challenge to the players like hey we are going to be better but that's something with that next level experience that i think that's the reason why they brought carl craig in uh to sort of add that extra layer not that coaches in past weren't holding players accountable and weren't, weren't preaching accountability. But I think the message comes off a little bit differently. A from Carl Craig, because he's a very direct talker, a very direct individual, but B with that experience and pedigree, he has that when, when you're challenged by a coach of his stature to get better and to improve and to be better the next time out, I think that's something that that hits you a little bit differently as a player. And we'll see if they're able to answer that challenge moving forward.
1: Yeah. You know, this is a very interesting result. To me, because, um, you know, both these teams, I think, will enter this season thinking, hey, we can really get something done this year. You know, the USL has kind of rearranged our conference. It's a little more approachable. Um, we both have a year of experience that, you know, other teams like Rochester aren't going to have for this season. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a big opportunity. Uh, and obviously, Minneapolis City have made some really uh, big moves obviously i put together a very good roster it looks like for this season and of course they bring carl craig in, who you can't not you know look at that as a big uh decision a big moment um but in the end you know st croix come and they actually get a better result than they did last year because they lost that ed nelson last year yep um and so it, it's kind of a interesting you know Saint Saint Legends Legends have been a little quieter in the off season. they they've made some roster announcements, but they 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 weren't necessarily putting out a ton of information. Um but I, I think my big takeaway from from this game is really just that that quietness did not necessarily reflect lack of development, and they clearly have some yeah. good plans for the season They're clearly gonna be quite good. Um, you know, responding very well to going down in like the fifty, fifty fifth minute, yeah. uh, I think is when city scored and, and to get that comeback done in you know like thirty minutes uh, on the road. Uh, in a place that's never particularly easy to play that that's a pretty big show of quality from them Uh, for, for city. I mean, lots of season left and I'm sure that they will get better results. Um, But yeah, I think it's, I think it's probably just a reminder to everybody that it's a little more complicated than bringing in, you know, a a great coach and all of a sudden everything's going to be better. Um, It's, 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 you know, uh, zero for two in their, in their two games so far this season and all kinds both at home. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what that that pathway to improvement looks like. Obviously, Carl Price has talked about that already, as you said. Um, I think, you know, I, I expect them to get much better results pretty quickly. Yeah. But um, if that doesn't happen, then obviously that prompts a different conversation. But uh, yeah, I mean, part of, part of what's entertaining, to be perfectly honest, as a person that, you know, covers this level of the game, particularly is that at this level sometimes teams can do the right math but they don't end up with the number they want yeah. uh and and it's there's there's a roll of the dice that happens with this level of the game um so uh st croix ended up on the right side of that uh on, the, on this night but uh yeah very very interesting game I, I enjoyed watching back and watching back some of the big moments from it some really good goals from both teams The actually the city goal was easily the best goal <laughs> it was a free kick yeah. from like 35 yards out um mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's a it's a very interesting sort of conversation starting start to to this usl lead two season so that's that's great for everybody
0: one goal through these two matches is something to keep an eye on for city yeah. uh because they, they create a lot of chances against uh the u19s they created a few against st croix but but not as many um uh, we'll see if that's something that you know there ends up being sort of a, a correction there and they're able to start putting goals away or if this does become Recurring issue for the city team. I think it can go either way at this point. Obviously, it's early, but something to keep an eye on in that in that city attack for sure. Um, all right, NPSL opening weekend. Dom, hit us with the results.
1: Yeah, some really interesting results right away here. Um, Twin Stars hosted Duluth FC in a in a 3-0 win for Duluth. Um, Tyler Limner, notably, with a goal and assist in that one. It was a former Saint uh, or not Saint the former Sioux Falls Thunderman uh, started up front in that game, had a huge impact right away. That was interesting to see. Twin Stars uh, with some moments of quality. Twin Stars always have a good roster. Usually just comes down to whether or not that roster comes together in time to get the the results they need. Uh, Was a little patchy this game. To be fair, Duluth a little patchy in the first 30 minutes of of their first game as well. Duluth just kind of recovered from it a little better. Uh, So three good goals there. Uh, Dakota Fusion one one with Med City. Which is an interesting result. Um, yes, we very. we we right away identify this game as one of the more interesting opening weekend games just because of what the fusion did last year, and of course Med City being the reigning champs um, proved to be as interesting I think as we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, Med City walked away with just one point, which is definitely not what they would have wanted. Dakota Fusion probably also would have wanted something better than a one-one draw at, uh, at home, but a uh, uh, interesting start for both teams gives them something to build on. You know, obviously for the next couple of weeks. Um, but also gives Duluth maybe a little room to breathe, uh, and then Joy Athletic three-one uh, Eris. Uh, you know that that feels like the result a lot of people would have expected, but of course Joy lost to Eris twice last season, so yep. this was very much a uh, opportunity to to exercise some demons for them. I think, um, and they they got the job done three-one win. Eris scored very late; it was very close to being three-nil, um, and overall I think reflective of some of the work Joy's done. Uh, on their defense this season, or on the offseason, yep. rather. Uh, so, yeah, so bid wins for Duluth and Joy sets up a very interesting week uh, this coming weekend. And Med City, with a little work to do, um, I, their next game is Eris at home. I imagine they have a very strong chance of winning that one and rebounding yeah. very easily, but uh, at least a couple of question marks floating around a little bit off of their start to the season. Uh, so, yeah, that's the MTSL North uh, Week 1.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that... Between Med City's two matches and Duluth's match here, I think we kind of see the the differences, the the opposite ends of the spectrum that these two teams play. And I'm talking about these two yeah. teams specifically because unless unless this this Dakota result is indicative of of you know what they plan to do this season, taking that step up, unless Joy is really planning to put last season in the rear view and make a run at things this year, um, unless they fulfill on that plan. Obviously, they plan on doing that, but unless they fulfill on that plan. You know, I'm looking at Duluth and Med City specifically as that two-horse race right now. I could be proven wrong. You look at Duluth, very similar, 3-0. They had a lot of these results, these scorelines last year, 3-0, 4-0, 4-1, you know, a lot of a lot of goals they're piling up. They do sacrifice a little bit defensively to do that as well. Sure. Um, when they, That's why when they play at Med City, Med City more, more than right. not gets the upper hand on Duluth because right. Duluth isn't able to pour in those goals. Um, but you see, Med City one-one against Fusion, one-nil against Flora. If you can get a goal against City, against Med City, excuse me, you're giving yourself an opportunity to get results because as good as Med City is defensively, they do struggle at times to find that second goal, as we've kind of mentioned. So, I'm interested to see if that dynamic swings a different direction this year, where maybe Duluth is able to put that crooked number on the board against City in those head-to-head matchups and give them real problems. Um, we'll have to see, but. Um, early indications are things are looking a little bit similar for those two teams, at least in their matches against other teams, than they uh, uh, kind of going along with last year as well. Um, All right. UPSL, Dom, another exciting week, a lot of matches. What's going on there?
1: Yeah. So uh, first of all, I had some uh, midweek results, which was Minneapolis city futures, two nil to FC Minneapolis and superior city, one nil to Worthington, Uh, two good wins for both those teams. Uh, Futures had to had to be patient on that that win. I believe it was nil nil at halftime. Superior getting another win, uh, a, a thin a thin one. But and actually, this game was their first game that Mally Lumsden didn't score in. That's mm. that's the, that's the that's the so it's so him. it's basically a loss. It's it's as good as a loss is <laughs> is what you're, is what you're telling me. Mally uh, did assist. score, so it doesn't did, truly count. He did assist the goal. Oh, okay, um, go. yeah, uh, but uh, so you know, two two good wins for both those teams. Uh, coming into then this last weekend, uh, St. Paul Blackhawks with a one-nil win over Ma- Maple Brook, continuing to to respond well to that second round loss. I believe it was they had the Austinville. They've bounced back with a couple wins since then. Twin City with a nil-nil draw to Valora, which is very interesting. Yes. Uh, Twin City, you know, expected to be one of the bottom teams, uh, and uh, had a respectable week one against Superior City. They lost one. Uh, nil and then they had a bye week two um so uh nil nil with valora this result i think it's fair to say is impacted by the fact that valora had a lot of matches this week that drew the roster around um but that being said you play who you play with uh they sent a upsl level squad to play uh twin city and twin city managed to get a point out of it so that's a that's an, an impressive result for them uh, Austin Villa, 2-2 with St. Croix. This is an interesting game. St. Croix were ahead 2-0 at halftime. Austin Villa got two late goals to equalize. One was in uh, a time. So big result for them. That's four points from, from two games now for them. Uh, Minneapolis City Futures then 2-1. Twin City, uh, this game was actually almost another upset for Twin City. They actually led 1-0 at one point or at halftime, I believe, from a penalty kick. And City took the lead, something like the 70, 75th minute. Um, so, uh, twin city showing that they can, you know, give teams trouble, which is very good to see, especially top teams, but futures that end up with another good win. And uh, the last one is superior city, six, one FC Minneapolis, uh, big win, biggest win for superior city so far this season. They've had a lot of one goal, two goal wins. Um, yeah, it it's, it's been a very interesting season so far, uh, superior city, I have to say have, uh, surprised. Uh, A lot of people expected them to be mid table. They are currently top of the table. They have yet to drop a single point. They've let in like three goals uh, and they scored over 10. I don't remember how many, but at least a dozen, (laughs) a lot of goals. goals. Uh, And, and and they're starting, I think what's encouraging for them is they're starting to get those goals from a little, a little wider of a berth. So this game was six, one, each of those goals was scored by a different person. Um, So They're, 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 it started quite heavy with, with Lumsden scoring. It's spread out a little more now. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, defensively, they, they've they looked quite solid. They have two good goalkeepers they've rotated between. Um, they haven't necessarily played an expected title challenger yet of Aurora yeah. of Minneapolis City, but they've played just about everybody else, and they've in them all. So uh, they've put themselves in a very good position to at the very least definitely compete for a playoff spot. Um, this is a, a club that, despite relatively humble origins, very much wants to compete for everything they can compete for this season. and they've yep. put themselves in a good position to do that. Um, so in, uh, outside of that, uh, as a final note for this, you know Minneapolis City find themselves in a very good position here, particularly with Valora dropping points um to sort of get a leg up on that obviously they drew each other so no one had a a lead from that but this twin city result means valora dropped two points whereas city did not um so yeah some very interesting pieces coming together for the upsl uh men's season um and and superior city kind of quietly becoming the talking point for me at least yeah
0: you look at you look at superior
1: city obviously they're
0: head and shoulders above the rest right now who is kind of keeping pace with them well it's minneapolis city futures right now and you sort of see vlora a little bit maybe falling back into that second tier they've plenty of time obviously to sort of get get up to where to where superior city are, is and you know maybe there's some some corrections that happen where maybe superior starts dropping points and things get a little bit more competitive, but, you know, it might just be, co- be because the results are right next to each other on this, on this list here. But, you know, I see superior city and Minneapolis city futures is kind of those two teams that have really asserted themselves in the early going as, as title contenders. So a lot of season to be played, but really good starts for those two, those two squads specifically. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, Superior City Women, inaugural UPSL women's match. They get a 2-0 win over Valora there. And then one final note on the lower league front. It's not here in the on the notes, down, but I want to make sure we mention this. Uh, big announcement from the USL Super League this week. Yes. Madison will be getting a USL, a professional women's soccer team. And if all goes according to plan on the Super League front, a Division I uh, professional women's soccer team. Uh, it was announced this week. for Madison ownership are also spearheading an effort to bring that USL Super League team to Madison um, in 2025 or 2026. That's dependent on when they can make the proper changes and adjustments to Bree Stevens field in terms of the stadium to fit those standards to be a division one uh soccer team. Very ambitious from the Super League here to say, hey, we're we're not we're not gonna settle for D2. We're applying for D one sanctioning and we want to compete directly with the NWSL as a top-tier women's league in the U.S. Um, Dom, your initial reaction to not only the Madison news, but the news that the Super League is going to be trying for for D1
1: there. I, I think it's very interesting. I think, yeah, first of all, it's great that whatever happens of all this, it's going to involve the area, and Madison's going to be a part of it, and we're going to have pro women's soccer in, in this area. That's great. Um, in terms of the D1 side of all of that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think for the, you know, I don't think it's a secret that the USL to some degree finds itself in a place where it's pitted against uh, in men's soccer, MLS, and obviously in women's soccer, the NWSL as the two sort of power leagues of of those two versions of the game. Um, This is an area where I think the USL still has room to, to actually compete for that top spot. I don't think if the USL convinced people to consider it D one or consider the championship D one, I don't think it would result in an actual competition with MLS for that um, space. I think with the NWSL, which is still such a developing, growing league, um, there's still room to compete there. Yep. And so I do think it's smart for the USL to to, to highlight that and Agreed. take up that challenge. Um, you know, I mean whether or not they actually surpass the NWSL, I suppose it's just possible for them both to just exist as D1 leagues. Yep. Um, the the women's pro space in the country is, is not developed to the point it, or what's, what's where I say here. It There's still room for development to the point where you could have room for that to happen, yep. uh, where you could have two D1 leagues. So yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, it's, it's great for Madison. It, it continues the conversation of interest for pro soccer for, uh, Minnesota Aurora. Uh, now that that the Super League is going to be D one, and of course we're already tied with the USL. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a big news. It's going to be interesting to see at least a year of of all of this sort of being developed and coming to fruition, plans being actually uh, uh, put together and, and acted out. But um, yeah, I, I really look forward to seeing what the USL can do with this uh, this challenge they put themselves with. And also begs the question of, does the W league then sort of try to become
0: that division three or division Mm. two pro women's league as well? You know, they have, they have a lot of teams and teams, you know, a lot of, that would require a lot of teams to kind of change their models a little bit to be able to pay their players and, and different things like that. So there'd be a lot that has to be done, but you know, people, the the exhaustive conversation on social media, specifically Twitter, is promotion and relegation. Right? Is is that something that's going to work in the U.S.? I think the U.S.L. finds itself in a unique position to be that pro parallel alternative to not only MLS on the men's side but WSL on the women's side. You can have your five hundred million dollar expansion fee uh, team that's going to be you know act as that single entity league, similar to other American sports. You can also have that pro-rel traditional European soccer type system with the USL. I think USL on the men's side needs to institute pro-rel between championship and league one like now. Uh, I think the Open Cup results have sort of shown that that the both those teams are, are similar enough in quality that that's something that can be done. But I also think kind of to the flip side of that, I think once USL championship gets enough teams, I think you'll see them apply for D1 sanctioning yeah. as well. Because you look at what the expansion teams are or what some of these teams are doing, Louisville City, seventeen thousand seat stadium, in D eleven, putting together at least in the in the mock up one of the most beautiful soccer stadiums I've ever seen <laughs> in Indianapolis. You know, teams are starting yeah. to do this and starting to put together stadiums and things that would actually fit those Division One standards as right. they currently exist in the U.S. soccer sphere. Uh, I think it's just a matter of number of teams and and getting all the teams on board but i also think finding the teams in league one that are already on that path you know i'm union omaha greenville triumph richmond kickers are kind of forward madison are kind of those teams that come to mind where you know they're not too far off from you know if if usl wanted to have a division one league they wouldn't be too far off from from qualifying for that in their own right as well, so this it's, it brings up a lot of different conversations. But I think USL is in a very advantageous position here. I think over the last few years they've shown themselves to be a really good alternative to MLS and NW uh, to MLS on the men's side, and now potentially NWSL on the women's side. You see a lot of players actually, you know, not a lot of players. You see a few players actually choosing to play in USL over MLS or or moving from MLS to USL as quickly as they can, so they're not slave to the league it can actually move abroad a little bit easier and and different things like that so um yeah i think all in all to tie that all up in a really simplified bow i like what usl is doing here and making itself that alternative and i'm just interested to see how far they can take that over the next few years
1: on both sides yeah yeah i was i mean yeah I, i just really second everything you said there i i think um the usl has has a lot of potential still to to grow and take more control over the over the scene of soccer in this country so uh, it's very interesting just to see them kind of take those steps at, at least on the women's front right now uh, one more complaint before we get to our picks
0: um, it's it's a it's a it's a shame that Uh, And and this might all be moot with the conversation with the USL championship being a great alternative and being good in its own right. But to me, it's also kind of a shame that another team is going to move into San Diego and the Loyal aren't going to have that opportunity to be the team that, that gets moved up to MLS. That team has built such a, cultivated such a great following in its own right. And it would be a real shame if this MLS team came in and sort of kind of trampled down what they have done. Uh, with the San Diego Loyal, one of the great one of the great non MLS uh, organizations that exists in American soccer, and hopefully they can continue to. I mean, owned by Landon Donovan, or yeah. you know, I, I just think hopefully two teams can exist in that market and coexist in that market in a way that works for both of them. That's that's all I'm going to say. Uh, my initial thought, though, when I saw that it was going to be a new team, a new organization, new ownership, I was pretty disappointed that the Loyal weren't going to be the team that moved up to MLS because I think they'd be a great addition to the league.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it would have been too. Unfortunately, that's <laughs> not how uh, yeah, <laughs> garbage <Bucks> works, but <laughs> except in except in Minnesota, except in Minnesota, yeah, we're, yeah, the, Minnesota.
0: we're the right. we're the we're the alternative, we're the exception, anyways. Okay, now it's time for picks presented by BetterEdge. B E T T O R edge.com slash loons. Head there and you'll get free $20 poof right there in your account when you sign up using our link again, betteredge.com. Slash loons for $20 at Better Edge. All right, Uh, picks for Minnesota United and Portland Timbers. Uh, Minnesota plus 279, underdog over under is two and a half goals. The Timbers struggled early on in the season, but since they trampled Seattle a few weeks back, they have sort of really found some form, and specifically at home, been a lot better over the last few weeks. Obviously, we know Minnesota United kind of just, just
1: got off their schneid a little bit Uh, with that home win over houston uh don what are you thinking here i'm gonna go over two and a half uh this just feels like a game that's gonna have a couple goals in it um both teams kind of getting back into shape and all that so yeah yeah, i'm gonna go over two and a half all right
0: i'm gonna pick portland to win um and i don't think a loss in portland is the the sky falling for minnesota by any means obviously it would kind of continue an overall not great run uh, but the way Portland's playing, I, I expect this to be competitive. I expect Minnesota to be, you know, playing confident. I expect them to stick with the four-two-three-one, play with that comfortability. Uh, but I think Portland's just got got a little too much firepower right now uh, from Minnesota, um, and they've been still been a little shaky defensively, have the loons over the last the uh, last few matches. So and I don't necessarily think one win over Houston all, just automatically solves those issues, but. Um, I'm going to pick Portland to win, going against the loons. I think it's only the second time all season I've gone against the loons, uh in these picks, but um, that is my pick. If you want to bet with us or against us, or enter our weekly MLS Pick'em competitions, we have free and paid versions. You can check it out: BetterEdge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R Edge.com/slash loons, Twenty dollars in your account, free. Better Edge revolutionizing social sports betting you're not betting against a sports book at better edge you're betting against other people on the platform that's why it's free to use in 46 states including minnesota learn more and sign up for 20 betteredge.com slash loons dom it is the time where we have come to the end of the podcast and you send the people off into their weekend with some nice parting words my company. parting
1: words are: You should make sure to uh, bring your charger with you places because I didn't bring my charger in here, and my laptop is very low on battery. So I had to I had to plug my <laughs> computer in after we were recording here. So. That's my parting words. Make sure you recharge. <clears throat> In life and in, and in technology. Yes,
0: yes, in life. <laughs> Recharging life. Recharging life is very important as well. Uh, for people watching on the YouTube, they saw me disappear for like 45 seconds. I was plugging my computer in because I did not uh, before we got on here. But we have come to the end, Dom, so uh, you can charge your computer when we are done here. And um, everybody else, enjoy the weekend. We really appreciate it. Post-Loon's coming your way after Portland and Minnesota United. So tune into that. And of course, Dom and I will be back for another edition of 10,000 Pitches next Friday. Hit us up, sodasoccer.com, at Soda SoC on the socials. And take that next step and support our work, patreon.com slash sodasoccer. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you later. Bye.